This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting horror movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. And my name is B-Bass. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom. We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how it succeeds as a slasher film. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ScreamingCast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me at B not B, that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Castbox, or online at podpeople.me or keepscreaming.com. This week we are dissecting 2019's Game Over, directed by Ashwin Saravanan. But first our pop culture check-in. For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of our movie this week, as well as life updates. Um, life update we are trying to figure out how to do the holidays yeah we took our first (laughs) break which i don't think either of us really realized we needed but we did yeah i don't think yeah it wasn't intentional at all we didn't plan it out it just kind of happened because we are so we're recording this uh it's almost the second week of december it is the second week of december and i think B and I are both figuring out how to do the holidays in very different life situations from last year. So B obviously has a child, um, and that completely makes things very different. And I am figuring out what life is like with holidays, kind of. I mean, I have my roommate, but mostly alone and like trying to figure that out. So I think for both of us, it's just very different, and we kind of needed the extra couple weeks to just uh, like to get through Thanksgiving figure out christmas um so it was nice it was necessary and Mm -hmm. we're still going to make sure that our episode count is on par like we're going to drop the bonus episode essentially you're going to get two for one Mm -hmm. this week so we are covering game over and then as scheduled we're going to cover black christmas the new blumhouse remake um that we will be seeing this weekend um and then we'll be back on track but yeah you didn't lose any movies or us talking about anything you just had to wait a little while to get it yeah so (laughs) sorry about that guys thanks for being understanding but yeah i mean it just it happens sometimes yeah i mean two years we haven't taken a break from the show yet it's pretty impressive most shows do seasons i don't know maybe that's something we might consider in the future where we do you know season then take a couple weeks off or I don't know. We always, like, after we hit our anniversary, we try and, like, figure out, okay, what are we going to do to make the podcast, like, better and better for us, better for you guys? We just sort of have some evaluation, so. Yeah, lots of things. Up th- I'm So I am officially, I am moving to Southern California as of May of Just next year. Me. Yeah, so that'll be different because B and I have always recorded live together, except for the one time I was out of town. Which was a bitch for me to <sighs> yeah. freaking fix and post. Yeah, also to be fair, like we were just on like crappy internet and stuff. Yeah. So I don't think that will be a huge issue, but like we got to figure all that out. So that is all stuff we will be looking at. Mm-hmm. Um but outside of that, we did still watch movies. Um, 
B watched a ton of stuff. I watched so I've been like <laughs> she's part, been Christmas binging. Yeah. So part of like this break is just like so much going on and like it's been like a rough couple months for sure. And so I've definitely been like a hermit and haven't really left my house. Well, and since last we talked, Disney Plus is launched. Yeah, so Disney Plus came out. So I mean, why do I need to leave my house? Right. So um, if it's on Disney Plus, I've probably watched it. I don't need to go into all of the stuff I've watched, but it's an excessive amount. Um, all things that I'm rewatching, um, of course. I think a few things. Like I saw Finding Dory, which I had somehow never seen, so I watched that. And um, there's a few things on there I had never seen, but most of it, we've been going through and like rewatching favorites i've already seen zootopia even though it was on netflix forever they took it off of netflix recently and i also own it on blu-ray but you know laziness oh, yeah. for me to the, put it in yeah. if it's not streaming then i'm like oh fuck i'm not gonna watch it I've seen zootopia like four times in the last month i have no shame i will rewatch the same movie multiple times a week yeah sorry it Brennan. makes me feel good um yeah and so my husband loves like 90s anything and so we've been watching like all the questionable questionable 90s ones so we've mm. watched like anything that tim allen's in which are fine i love those but like i'm not a huge fan of the shaggy dog remake i prefer the original Me um dr doolittle like all those we watched like brink and some of the disney originals and realized like whew, nostalgia doesn't really help those much they're bad um and then yeah i mean we uh you know we lost my father-in-law last uh last year these are our first holidays um with our son and although we had the holidays last year um without my father-in-law it was just very recent and we were very kind of like still in shock yeah i was gonna say you were still in shock you know he passed in september and so this year it almost is harder because it's like we've gone the whole year without him and then we're when well, you have liam now yeah so. now my son's born and so we're going through all these holidays his first and so it's a little bit hard not having um his grandfather here to like celebrate those so we've just sort of been in the mentality of let's get into the holiday spirit we've never we've always been so busy during christmas and never get super into it because of that and this year we're like no we got our tree super early like we decorated the house like december 1st We've basically exclusively watched Christmas movies. So, like, Santa Claus 1, 2, and 3. I watched Scrooged for the first time. Um, we watched... Noel. You know, <coughs> Noel on Disney Plus with Anna Kendrick and kind of Bill Hader. And um, uh, what's the guy who yells on the street? Oh, Billy Eichner. Billy Eichner. Yeah. Um, Die Hard? Was, yeah, Hard. I watched Die Hard, which I love. And yes, it is a Christmas movie. Everyone knows that by now. Um, no, B posted it on Twitter, and it's my new favorite take that Die Hard is a Harry Potter movie. Yes, That's I the seriously, funniest shit I've ever okay, seen. Okay, yeah, this guy, let me pull it up and give him proper credit yeah. because I I literally I saw that and almost laughed spit out my loud. coffee out. Yeah, yeah, like actual lulled IRL. <laughs> it was so funny. Because um, at this point, we all know that Die Hard is a Christmas movie yeah. is an old take. Like, well, it's been evident for years. And I hate when people are like, oh my god, blah, blah. It's like, well, Christmas is an interval to the plot. Right. If it wasn't Christmas, like, so much of that movie Also, the screenwriter work. has come out and said, 
this is a Christmas movie. Like, I wrote it as a Christmas movie. Like, everyone knows that. The Christmas movies no, are plays. It's not an argument anymore. No. Like, that is a Christmas movie. So this guy, his name is um, Jesse McLaren, at McJesse, tweeted, Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie. He sneaks around a tower at night avoiding Alan Rickman. It's a Harry Potter movie. <laughs> so good. Oh, yeah, it's so good. It's my new favorite thing. Yeah, it's great. So um, I watched my favorite Harry Potter movie, Die Hard. Um, like I said, Scrooge for the first time. I don't know. So we watched Krampus today, mm-hmm. um, which I watch every year. Um, and if you guys haven't seen Krampus, make sure you see it because it is. Like oh, it's, it's Krampus so, 2015, it, right? 2015 or 16. Yeah, it's there's so, a million Krampus movies. It gets overlooked but, a lot still. It's Michael Doherty, the same guy who did Trick or Treat. And it's like. Universal. It is a twisted little flick. Um, but beautiful practical effects mm-hmm. and some really genuinely creepy Christmas stuff. Yeah. Like, I think it's one of the better, like, rewatching it today, I was like, this is one of the best Christmas horror movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, B and I revisit a lot of Christmas slashers because <sighs> obviously that's what we love. But um, there are, are lots of Christmas horror movies in general as right. well. Um, but this is definitely, I think, one of the one of the better ones. And what's great about it, too, is that... Like, a lot of the one, like, Black Christmas, especially the original, that's not one that I'm going to, like, lightly put on. It's not really one I can, like, put on when friends are over and be like, oh, yeah, you guys want to watch a Christmas movie? Let's watch Black Christmas. The movie's fucking dark. It's amazing and one of my favorite horror movies, but uh-huh. it's it's not light at all. And either's the remake. No. Black Xmas is, it's more it's- fun kind of but it's it's super twisted super dark super dirty um and another one that it's not there's no lightness to it Mm -mm. krampus is creepy and it has a hell of a pessimistic ending it's so pessimistic and dark but also you've got an incredible cast of comedic actors Mm -hmm. that play with that timing so incredibly well and it got knocked by the critics for and it's pretty well received 67% on Rotten Tomatoes but the, like the performance were praised and the comedic points were like well received but then they said like the tone seemed off but for me I think the tone is perfect it's very like pessimistic on like what Christmas and mm-hmm. has kind of turned into yeah. and like the values of Christmas and I think that tone plays out through the entire film, and I really yeah, enjoy that. Yeah, rewatching it today, I think it's the third time I've seen it since it came out. Um, I just realized how much it plays with the idea of, like, what, Chris is about family and about being together and about being there for your family. And it was like, like I was like, oh, wow, like, this message, I think I miss it sometimes. Yeah, it's like, not and, about buying the gifts and the extravagant dinner. Yeah, and... but like you said, too, the comedic stuff, like, especially... David Koechner from The Office, like, I forgot how good he is. In and that his movie. wife. Mm-hmm. Um, she's great in everything. I always forget her name. I um, know. She's like in everything. She's in Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. And it's one of my favorite lines in that movie when Reese walks into the bar and she's like, You have a, you, oh, like you have a baby. And then she's like, In a bar. It's great. <laughs> also, pretty sure I have bronchitis. So anytime I talk for long periods of time, I lose. My breath and have to cough. So apologies uh, for Allison that. Allison Tolman. That's yes. Great. She's, also great. She's in Fargo as well. Yes. 
Um, yeah. Oh, I watched Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 this morning for the first time. So we were going to cover that, right? And I, told I guess you we're guys not that. now. I'm, Ryan hasn't seen it yet. He's going to watch it. I'm voting no. If any of our listeners are like really wanting us to cover it, then we will. But I'm going to argue that it's barely a slasher movie. Brennan, come at me. He will. Ugh. I I didn't care for it. I thought it was definitely had the cheese factor that if you watch in a group and like drinking during this month, it could be fun. But I'd much rather watch the original. Yeah. To get that. So. I don't know. Like I said, ton of just getting into holiday spirit, ton of stuff. Anything Mickey Mouse we watched. My son has an early obsession with Mickey Mouse. Like, uh-huh. genuinely shakes with excitement when he sees Mickey Mouse. I like it though. Oh, I do too. I mean, yeah. no complaints. Yeah. But it's just weird, and not like he watches a lot of. I mean, we always have the TV on, but he like will turn, and if it's Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck, he goes <gasps> and like shakes it's mm. incredible it's his trick we show it to anybody who comes over We're like look what he does when mickey comes on it's very cute he's really cute guys um serious movies i talked about or i watched um just kidding tv let's talk tv because i know ryan won't the morning show people i started Watchmen, but yeah you're right yeah uh the morning show is on apple tv apple tv i'm so sorry just sign up for it when it's all over and binge it. It's holy moly spectacular. <laughs> I mean, you're going to expect with a cast like Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, and Steve Carell, and a million people. Um, Mindy Kaling sh- po- shows up. Martin Short has... Uh, Martin Short? Yeah. Um, Martin Short pops why up. am I forgetting his name right now, who's in a million things, but... Um, He's in the league. He's a director. And Duplass. Writer. Mark Duplass um, is a main character. And then literally a slew of very talented, famous people. Andy from Cougar Town is in it, um, which is nice to see him. And we also just rewatched Cougar Town. Um, it's beautiful. It feels very Fincher to me, um, the way they handle... The music and the cinematography and just the tone of everything. Um, it is about, which I didn't realize before I started watching it, but I mean, it's about me too. Mm-hmm. And what I am very much enjoying about it is it is me too in it, right? These are people in the show, they are famous. They are powerful have a lot of influence so it's me too in the middle of it from a dozen different perspectives people who are affected by it themselves people who work with people who are affected by it people who are the ones causing any kind of harassment people who are around it and aren't doing it but are doing other things that they now have to worry about being deemed as inappropriate like literally if you can name a scenario that could come out of harassment sexual harassment or rape or any kind of person man in power taking advantage this show is tackling including the man himself in power. 
Um, it's fascinating. And the last episode that just dropped revealed a ton of things. And it just, every, it's, it's just one of those shows. Every time an episode's over, you're like, oh my God, like I need next week to happen. It's definitely something that like I wish I could bench. It's interesting because I actually was reading this article about how we've been trained essentially to for binge culture by Netflix Mm -hmm. specifically. Although Mm -hmm. other some shows do it, some don't. Like Hulu tried the weekly formula and they still do it sometimes, but a lot of their shows went to binge. Um, And then like a lot of these like premier cable networks have done like binging for mostly. But the article I was reading was talking about how shows like The Morning Show and The Mandalorian on Disney Plus and Watchmen on HBO are cultivating new weekly speak. And, like, it's a very different – and now that there's so, – because Game of Thrones, like, kind of did it. But, like, mm-hmm. like now that there's so many all at once happening right now, like, it, I, the article was just saying, like, it's created water cooler, like, that water cooler culture that we used to that have, with, used TV. To have mm-hmm. with TV. And it's, like, saying that – it might be the return of like weekly might be the way to go which is interesting i think it's beneficial because then you have an option Mm -hmm. if you want to be caught up with the hot show and do the whole water cooler thing then you can Mm -hmm. and if you want to wait and be able to binge it it will be all available at one point yeah and i think (coughs) with the with the more um the more that social media is such a major part of our everyday lives, I think it actually adds to the water cooler because people feel like they're missing out legitimately when mm-hmm. they can't keep up with a conversation. Because I actually intended on watching Watchmen and just binging it. I feel like I'm missing out by not watching it, but I don't have HBO right now. Right. And so, I'm, I mean, it's it's got two episodes left. And I was like, cool, like, I'll just watch it when it's over. And it has, it got to the a fever pitch where I was like, I cannot, I literally cannot wait anymore. So I we got hbo mm-hmm. i actually canceled my netflix for the time being i was like i'll switch off for a month because yeah. i just want to watch watchmen so much because i had to like stay away from my twitter thread because or my twitter stream because so many people talk about it. i'm like i can't keep it like i can't keep up and i don't want to spoil it right so i gotta like stay away from it but it's just interesting so yeah no yeah. I, I really want to watch morning show and um yeah servant. I mean, it's spectacular <laughs> they have a couple other shows on there that look interesting mm-hmm. that i'm sure i'll check out at some point um, and then speaking back to Disney Plus, I haven't checked out The Mandalorian. Well, that's not true. This morning, actually, I watched like 20 minutes of it and I couldn't get into it. I'm like, maybe I'm not in the right space for this right now. So I turned it off. And then I put on Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. <coughs> but I am watching The Imagineering Story, which is a documentary series about the Imagineers at Disney. Um, it's episode by episode, mostly focusing on a certain time period and mostly going in chronological order, but it does kind of give you teases for things. They feel like their own documentaries per episode. They're like over an hour long. So it went Disneyland. Um, it went, and so it's really talking about the parks because it's talking about the Imagineers. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a Haunted Mansion episode, right? Um, in episode two, they talk about... The second phase of Disneyland. Gotcha. And that's Pirates Haunted Mansion, um, sort of the expansion. Um, They talk about Walt Disney World, which I, for whatever reason, I mean, we're born and raised in California. Both of us have been to Disneyland many times, Mm -hmm. grew up going, have gone as adults. I've never been to Disney World. I honestly didn't know that much about it. 
I was under the impression that because Walt was not alive when it became a park, I didn't think he was involved. And part of that made me think like, oh, the magic will be different and blah, blah, blah. Well, I was wrong. And I really want to go now. Um, it's crazy. Uh, so especially the part they talk about like Animal Kingdom and how like all the efforts they put into making that that park. I mean, literally all the parks, they go into it. They go into what worked, what didn't work. They talk about like Walt passing, Roy passing. Um, who was the director before Edgar? Um, oh, I can't remember. Oh my God, I just forgot his name. I was just talking about him earlier today. But the president who kind of was in charge for the downfall of Disney. And then Edgar took over mm. and Edgar's like done amazing things and Disney is what Disney Huge. is right now yeah. because of Iger. He's really turned the company around. Anywho, it's insanely fascinating if you have an interest in I wouldn't even say Disney itself, but just artistry and about what their values are and when they did things like Disney California and Disney Hong Kong, certain parks they put that they didn't really focus on the design and the artistry and it was more about just putting a park together and they watched them fail and had to sort of reinvent those parks yeah dca is still under like yeah i mean DCA's like super under like yeah it's changed i've been to dca f- i mean ryan's been a million times because you still live down there but for me as like a casual casual i don't know if even that's the right word but i've been to dca one two four times right and i went the i didn't realize this until i watched it i went the year they opened yeah, I did too. Yeah. as a kid, as a kid, I remember my yeah. dad taking me. Yeah. yeah, so we went the year DCA, which probably why we went that year. But the year DCA opened, we went as a family, and the amount that hit changed, and then the amount that it's changed since I went when I was in high school. Oh, when we um, went last year, it's it's insane to think of what it was to what uh-huh. it is now. It feels like a real park now, whereas uh-huh. before it felt so disjointed and like yeah, just really weird it's highly fascinating especially if you have any kind of arts background as a graphic designer it's just like oh this is where you want to work like i mean it doesn't talk about graphic design but like as a design being an imagineer in general Mm -hmm. and like what the i mean you're under a lot of pressure but what they try and cultivate highly highly fascinating i super recommend it um like I said, I don't even think you. It's not like you have to be like a Disney fanatic. I knew nothing. I only know anything about Disneyland. I knew nothing about any of the other parks, and now, now I'm an expert. I feel like, but super, super good. That is a Disney original. That's your TV update for this week. Um. So I mean, I'll just briefly say I did start Watchmen, and I'm in love with it. I'm five episodes in. Um, and I started it last night, and I'm already this is five episodes in. Coming from a in. comic book fan, right? Up. Yeah, um, big comic book fan, and I actually like the Zack Snyder movie, which a lot of I people love that don't. Movie. Yeah, but I have um, never read the comic. Right, and a lot of people don't. Um, and what's crazy about the show is because I was like, how does this work as a long form show? And it's a sequel to the comic, which obviously there is no real sequel to the comic. I mean, they've even written prequels to the comic in official canon, but they've turned it into sequels, and like it, it takes place in the Watchmen universe, and it uses Watchmen ideals and like characters. Like some of the, yeah, some of the characters are in it, but like the show itself is so it touches on everything that made Watchmen relevant, like the issues with policing and government and racism and 
politics, but it just feels so relevant now. Um, and it's also, it's so much more than the comic ever was, which is crazy to me because like, <laughs> I love the comic, but watching the show, I'm like, this is so, like, this is an expanded version of what Alan Moore was trying to say with Watchmen and what he did say, but in short form. And the, it's really, really, really ridiculously good. It's some of the best television I think I've ever seen. Like, realistically, just some of the best, well-written, most relevant television I've ever seen. Um, so wait until it's over in two weeks and binge it on HBO if you need to. Uh, I did catch Hustlers, which was something I wanted to see when it came out, and I finally watched it. Um, I think I talked about seeing it. Yeah. If I didn't, I saw it too in theaters. Yeah, uh, loved it. I thought it was great. Um, Jennifer Lopez was awesome. Um, Constance Wu was incredible. It's female-directed, female-fronted, like uh, just all-female everything. Um, Really, just really well done all the way around. Um, it reminded me a lot of like a lot of the like true crime stories we've seen recently, kind of like almost like something like um, you know like a Wolf on Wall, the Wolf on Wall Street, but a very you know female focused version of of like that kind of crime story. Way fucking shorter. <laughs> well, and way shorter. Yeah, it's like only an hour and forty yeah. minutes or something. A reasonable. It's a reasonable time. time. Yeah, um, but definitely check Hustlers out because it is worth the like hype that it got. I think. J-Lo is still a very underrated actress. I think a lot of people still, to this day, even though she's proven it over and over again. If like, anything, I think she's proved herself more of an actress than she ever did as a singer. Absolutely. 100%. I mean, yes. her breakout was being Selena. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, as a child, I, like, that is what I remember J-Lo as. Yeah. Is, like, I think of her as more as an actress. I've seen almost, like, I've seen a lot of her movies. My dad went on a kick where we saw every one of her movies in theaters. So, like. Yeah, she's in a lot of really good movies. Yeah, so. The Wedding Planner is one of my favorite rom-coms. Yeah, I saw that. Made in Manhattan. Made in Manhattan. And, yeah, yeah, like that whole run. So, definitely <laughs> check it out. Um, Knives Out, which is the new Ryan Johnson, like, whodunit. Um <laughs> We're not going to talk about Last Jedi or any of the Rise of the Skywalker nonsense with Ryan Johnson. I'm purely focusing on Knives Out. So Knives Out, to me, I enjoy mystery movies. Um, I enjoy ensemble casts. um, And I think that movie is one of the best movies of the decade. Absolutely, 100%. Um, The cast is almost untouchable. I mean, it's it's Daniel Craig, Tony Collette, Jamie Lee Curtis, Don Johnson, um, Lakeith Stanfield... Um, uh, Ana de Armas, who is the lead in it, who is absolutely incredible. She was also in uh, the new Blade Runner. She's in the new James Bond movie. Um, it's just Chris Evans. It's really, really so. It's super funny. The mystery is it keeps you on your toes the whole time because, like, literally twenty minutes into the movie, you find out the you you they tell you who did it. They tell you who killed the guy, and then it somehow wraps things around in a way that makes it so it subverts it subverts everything. And like, even though you know who did it, like there's all these other pieces that you didn't know about that completely change the makeup of the story. And you start doubting that that's the person who actually did it. Yeah, you just start doubting everything. Yeah, you start doubting every character, every except like. Like you just start, you start doubting everyone, but you also learn who they are, and you start figuring, you start piecing it together. But Daniel Craig was so amazing in it. He has this like really ridiculous, over the top, like very southern accent, which I adore. Um, 
I definitely like 100% recommend seeing it. It's just really fun. It's a very fun, like really good whodunit. It feels perfect for like a Thanksgiving movie because it is that movie where like, the whole family gets together and it's just like this whole family affair. Um, and then the last one I'll touch on is I am doing like my horror wrap up for the end of the year, just trying to catch up on anything that I didn't get to see. Um, and one of those was Daniel Isn't Real by Adam Egypt Mortimer, and it stars um, it's Patrick Schwarzenegger, so Arnold's son, and then it's also, um, I gotta look it up, but it's Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon's son. Um, so it's two, like, you know, movie stars' sons, uh, Miles Robbins. And he was in, if you saw Blockers, he's in Blockers, he's like, He's known as the chef. It's John Cena's daughter's date. To, and he's also in the new Halloween. He's the um, kid that is with the babysitter. Like that goes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's in both those. Um, it is really like super good, really trippy. Um, and it kind of like pulls you in different. So basically it's about a kid who has an imaginary friend, um, Daniel, and he traps Daniel like, at first, this imaginary friend is, like, helping him out and, like, helping him become more bold and confident in himself. But then, like, the imaginary friend gets him to try to kill his mom. And, like, so he ends up, like, trapping it in this playhouse in his mother's house. And then years later, when he's in college, he lets him out. And, like, he has grown up alongside him. And it's, you know, that's Patrick Schwarzenegger now. And he has all these, like, very... At first, again, he kind of is there he's very charming and he's like trying to help him better his life and he's helping him in school and he's helping him in women with women but then like the longer he's around the more malicious his intent becomes and the more he tries to like kind of take his body over and it turns into this like really insane surreal body horror movie while also at the same time being like a trippy psychological horror movie and um before i saw i saw that people were really touting for Mortimer to get Nightmare on Elm Street, the reboot, when it eventually happens. And after seeing it, I'm 100% behind it because he handles, like, nightmarish dreamscape stuff so well. Um, And it's super low budget. And, like, the stuff he does with the makeup in it and, like, the prosthetics, really, really good. Are you looking at it? Yeah. No, there's some weird... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's some weird stuff in it. But it's really good. Um, So that one's called Daniel Isn't Real and it just went up to rent all all of those are up well hustlers just went up to rent daniel isn't real just went up to rent and um, knives out still in theaters um so check all those out for sure um and then the movie we were covering this week is so you can find it on netflix that's how i mean be right about it somewhere and we found out it was on netflix with three different versions because they're all in different languages but they were all um filmed like concurrently like at the same time so they'd film it in one language and then they'd say the lines again in another language i'm assuming so i don't know a ton about like filmmaking in india that's definitely not something i'm super familiar with so that'll be our like big preface this is an indian made film Mm -hmm. um we're coming from a perspective of american viewers with not a lot of insight to the I would Indian. say almost none. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever watched a purely Indian-made movie. Like, I've definitely watched Indian-influenced yeah. films, but I don't think I've ever watched... 
I don't think I yeah. uh I think I have actually. I've watched some of those like really ridiculous over the top action movies, but nothing like this. Yeah, no. So, um yeah, that's just going to be our preface is that we're coming at this with like no education. This is as like American viewers yeah. and our take. And also like really really sorry for butchering any names. Yes. We're going to try our best. Most right. of them seem what do you say? Um What's the word? Oh yeah. Um, phonetic. Phonetic. Yeah. Most of them seem phonetic, so we're going to try, but yes. sorry. But the movie is Game Over um, from this year, 2019. Yeah. Um, it came out, yeah, in June, I believe. Yeah, and it was alternatively titled Mario um, because the character Swapna uh, was supposed to sport a Mario tattoo, um, but it was later changed to a joystick. But it is a very, like, there's a video game motif. It's not, like, video game themed, but there's a video game motif throughout the film, which is why it was why the title is stuck with Game Over, but also mm-hmm. was originally potentially Mario. Yeah, um, and I, I think Mario was going to play a bigger role um, in the film itself. But no, I mean, Game Over is very much integral to the ending of the film. Yes. Um, and so it makes sense that that is the title they ended up going with. No, it's a super appropriate name. Mm-hmm. Um, so the story of this is our, um, protagonist Swapta, a game designer who is on a turbulent road to recovery from an incident that scarred her deeply, finds herself in the hands of an evil force that has been committing crimes of unspeakable evil in the city. On a fateful night, Swapna has to contend with the dark forces forces outside and within. Game Over is a saga of grit, passion, and courage that illustrates a thrilling, dark, and surreal journey of a girl who has lost everything but hope. Yeah, and like we said, it did come out June 14th of this year. Um, couldn't find a budget for it, but its U.S. take was $2.3 million. It was the conversion, yeah, right, the for conversion. what it did. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty good, because mm-hmm. it's very low budget. Yeah, I think that I was reading that the main actress, um, what is her name? Um... Topsy Panu. Yes. She um, I has been in a lot of movies, but I guess she had actually sort of retired for a few years. So this is like her first film in like four years. That's cool. Um, and so, yes. Uh, it has a 55% on Rotten Tomatoes, which isn't too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, one's uh, is, it's cited as, there are, two, there are many layers in the film, both psychological and paranormal, and though the makers unravel it in their own pace... Uh, these moments are what make this film interesting, and that's from V. Uh, Lakshmi from the Times of India. And then another review states, uh, part slasher film, part psychological thriller, Game Over is an unsatisfying watch because Saravana never quite picks a side, and that's our director is Saravana, um, and that was uh, Shipna Jamkandakar um, from Routers. And then this um, review, I thought... I like sort of resonated my similar feelings. Um, there are a couple of genuinely scary moments, but the rest of it is too stretched. Even the 102 minute runtime feels too long with not enough thrills or chills. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really appropriate because when I saw that it was only like a hundred and a hundred, um, like an hour and 20 minutes. I was like, yes, yeah, thank God. And then when I was like 45 minutes into it, I was like, shit like we're only halfway through like this is dragging well also because and like we'll get into it more but like the first two-thirds of this movie is a drama it's an hour literally at the hour mark is when the slasher starts yeah um and so like for a long time i had to keep checking i was like this is the right movie right right one yeah 
mean, we've made I, that mistake before, Mischief Night. Yes, we have. Um, or you have, I should say. Yeah, it was me. Um, no, I definitely, I mean, I think with some tweaking, the first half could have played into the end a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and or I thought the last half would make a spectacular short. Um, what do you think of this poster? You know, looking at it, I will say, so it's, it's our There's ma- quite a few. So we'll upload this. Um, so if you ever go to our website, Keep Screaming, um, you'll always see the poster that we talk about on the episode on there. Also, if you go to podpeople.me, which is um, our podcasting... Um, that's our host. That's our hosting site. Um, it's always the same poster that we talk about as well on there. And those places you can also download our episodes. So if you ever want want or need to listen to them off of iTunes or Spotify or whatever, those are options for you. Um, but there are quite a few posters. I picked the one that I've seen the most, the most yeah. um, and I think was kind of the main poster. Um, but uh, anywho, we'll also post on Twitter. Um, so there's a logo that they've made for it. So it's game over, and it's got, like, a skull made out of, like, a controller. And a console. And a console. And it's got 8-bit hearts around it. Yeah. Um, Three of them, which is playing into the whole three lives idea, Um, which this is fun. This is nice. It doesn't say horror movie to me at all. No. It looks like an... Oh, so, like, honestly, if you guys are familiar to me, uh, someone who has watched a lot of anime... It looks like an anime logo. Um, it's very like bright. It's the 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 words are very like whimsical. Um, so it does look like to me like almost like it'd be a cartoon. Yeah, it definitely. Or for me, as somebody who's not super familiar with anime, it looks like an action movie. Mm-hmm. So she is like being um, drowned drowned in a bunch of. PS2 controllers? Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're that's, PS2 I was just looking at it and yeah. it's very, they're, they're all, all PS2, PS2 controllers. Um, which makes sense because um, the Microsoft systems are extremely unpopular overseas. Sony's Japanese. So, I mean, it does better, it's always done better across these. Um, and like uh, Microsoft's American, so it's not nearly as used. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, aesthetically, it is a nice poster, but there is, and like I said, this could be a cultural thing too i'm not familiar with any other slasher or horror posters in india but i would never see this on a shelf and think oh that's definitely going to be a horror movie it looks like an action movie to me yeah um so i mean it's fine i like the logo and i think with a different cover image you would be able to read it as horror a lot easier especially because the controller is meant to look like a skull Um, there are no sequels to the film, um, nor does it set you up for one. You could, I mean, because it's a horror movie, you could definitely take the ideas from this film and apply it to new characters. Um, but there's, <laughs> there's nothing in the slasher that screams franchise. No. <clears throat> so, excuse me. Um, it was directed by Ashwin Saravanan. Um, who directed 2015's Maya, which is also a horror film. Um, and then it was written by Ashwin as well as Ramkumar Kavya. Kavya. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it was produced by S. Sashkanth. And then the score was by Ron Ethan Johan. 
I'm guessing not Indian. Um, I I actually I'm not sure because um, Johan sounds very like Norwegian, like like Norland or what? Yeah, Nor- Norlandic. Um, I know he um also composed Maya. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. So I mean, he's all of his movies are. It says he's one of the. See top fifty Tamil movies. Hmm. So that's cool. Yeah, I mean everything on his page is Indian, so I'm gonna I assume gotcha. he's Indian. Or at least lives there and works in that industry. Um so we asked, I know we I think we've mentioned this before. We have, we've talked about it. It's like a dream of ours. Mm-hmm. Um we listen to I don't anymore, but I used to listen to a podcast called um Buffering the Vampire Slayer, that's what it's mm-hmm, called, right? Mm-hmm. Buffering. Um, and they go through Buffy the Vampire episodes. And this is like a very high production. This is their job, right? Like they don't do I mean, Jenny really. is a musician. Yeah, Jenny's yeah. a musician, one of the hosts. But this pretty much the podcast is what they do. Um, very high production. So they have guests that come on and they have a guest that comes on and talks about like outfits. Yeah, Kate Leff, is yeah. A, who's a comic book um, artist. She does like their fashion watch is what yeah. they call it. Yeah. And so when there's like certain episodes where characters have really interesting outfits, they'll have her come on and be like, yeah, and just specifically talk about the fashion. Um, and it's always really fun. And so we're always like, oh, yeah. And we have a lot of friends that are super into music and like one of our best friends, Ron, he, I worked at the record store with him. He's a musician himself. And I don't think I've ever met anybody who's like more into music and he's insanely knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Will he ever claim that? No, no, but he is. He has just like the most diverse understanding of music yes. out of anyone I know. And so whenever there's, and I don't, I don't know, I listen to music, but I don't have a lot of understanding about how it's made or the different genres or the influences. And so whenever I notice like a score in one of our movies, I'm always like, oh, I need like a little like Ron Britton Dewey segment. And so I asked him after watching this and I didn't watch it until I didn't finish it until yesterday. So I was like, Hey, um, you want to watch at least like the last half hour of this movie. And like, I was really, really impressed by the score mm-hmm. and I have like thoughts, but I can't really express them. I think accurately. So would you be interested in maybe recording some things? Like I can write you some notes. Um, so hopefully someday Ron, I know you're listening to this, will come on and um, talk about it in his own words. But I'm just going to read, like, word for word what he texts me, and then Ryan and I will talk about it. Yeah. Um, So this is what um, Ron Britton Dewey has to say about our score. Um, So he says, The swelling and sustaining strings and scents reflect an introspective buzz in the protagonist's head which is cool in the way that it comes steering in during moments of terror and panic and comes to an abrupt stop when a new thought or realization strikes her head. The ticking clock implemented to add pace to the music is a nice touch to reflect the 60 minutes she has to beat the level. 11 p.m., she gets a notification on her phone. 12 a.m., hour's over. Life is over. The main thing that I received from the finale is that the music had more depth and weight. She was on her last life. You have these expressive synth riffs at a sobering and a more melodic proportion. You're in the final boss. You know their moves, but if you fuck up, then it's game over. She was lucky in this genre. By genre, he's talking about the slasher. Normally, you don't get several chances. However, having these extra lives emphasizes the gravity of her last life. 
It felt like the substance of soundtrack is intentionally reserved until she realizes this is it. Like, this is my last life. Um, he also tracked, he says, the musical influences themselves can date back from Psycho to There Will Be Blood. Of course, he slips into There Will Be Blood yes. reference. That's his favorite movie. Um, yeah, which, I mean, I think he just... He nailed it. He nailed I mean, it. Like, Everything. I think both Ryan and I would be like, yeah, the score is just like, you know, really great. The best I could have done, and like, that is the thing. I'm glad we reached out to Ron because I actually really like the score for this movie. Um, but I want to be able to try articulate those things. Ron was definitely the one who noticed about the hour mark. And then also, yeah. even like someone like me who grew up in video game culture, like didn't even really connect the whole final boss, like the upbeat of the, the tempo on that like final life. The building when she looked at her wrist mm-hmm. and realized they're disappearing I'm right. on my last life. And like, it, and like, this I'm, is real now. Right. And he even points out like it doesn't really happen until that end of the movie, which is another thing I didn't even notice because the end of the movie, the score was so good. That's when I noticed, but I didn't even pick up that like the rest of the movie doesn't rely on it too much. It's not until we get to that third yeah, act. It's a lot, like you said, it's a lot quieter. It's a lot mm-hmm. more soft and melodic and waits for really the very end to be as powerful as it is and it's it's eerie like as a building atmosphere level i was genuinely like unnerved by many of the scenes i think and we'll talk about it when we get down to it here in a minute but when the scene of like the three when you make the realization that there's three killers and the synth is just going raw like roaring at you and buzzing and the three killers like come out mm-hmm. and are standing there like i got goosebumps mm-hmm. and i think the score is super effective it, it could have been like not hit as well as mm-hmm. it does and it really really aids in the the horror the like disruptiveness oh, yeah. and of like it. horror is so integral like music and horror are so combined and like it's so important. i mean the, the music needs to help tell you what happens because there could be a man standing in a mask and there's a lot of emotions that could come out of that in a movie you're not the one feeling it so you need to be told what to mm-hmm. feel and you're told what to feel by your other characters reactions you're told what to feel because of the lighting you're told what to feel because of what they're wearing but you're mostly told how to feel about this character standing there by their music right it's those like choice moments that mm-hmm. music is so important and vital to a horror movie yeah. and i think yeah ethan johan like really nails it and i and you know ron points out like psycho and there will be blood but also there are hardcore like um, so it's called like glitchcore or like any music that is inspired by like pixel. Like they, I know it's called like pixel, whatever. Um, but like, or eight bit, whatever you want to call it, bitcore. That's another one. Um, but it it does a good job of like combining like the classical score with very like it is old school video game inspired. Um, oh, interesting. Huh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, he does a great job and it it really, it was one of those things that too, like when a score really works, it works. And like, this was something that I noticed in this movie and thanks to Ron too. I hope we can get more of these from him because his, his like, it's just a different perspective, which is something I really enjoy. Cause like B and I also, that's part of the reason we do it together is because we have different perspectives, but also it's more of a cinematic 
and like you know b looks at a lot of like art design stuff and i look at it more from just like us like a cinematic and so it's nice to have like that, <coughs> that musical standpoint too um our cast is fairly large but mostly i mean just our, a couple characters really. yeah um topsy is swapna that's our um final girl and she is definitely like our lead character mm-hmm. um oh boy okay uh vino denny Vaidyanathan as Kalama, Anish Kravilla as the psychiatrist, um, Sanchana Natarajan as Amitha, um, Ramya Subramanian as Varsha, and then we, I mean, there's more characters too, um, but our three killers are Captain KRC Pratrap as the Masked Man, Vignesh Sean Mugham as the Masked Man, and Joshua, Joshua Miller as the Masked Man. Um, so we do have three killers, which were for a long time, it's like we're led to believe there's one, and then it's finally revealed that there's like multiple killers. Yeah. Um, it is a supernatural thrill, um, killer, like Slasher, but it does not seem like it for a very long time. That's a, and that's kind of like what I was saying like a is psychological supernatural. Yeah, film. but the first like first hour, hour twenty minutes, this movie is a drama. It is very much about a woman overcoming trauma, and like it's about processing and it's about grief and it's a like it is not until the last act hits where <laughs> these magical tattoos appear. <laughs> Even like the ref, like the flashbacks to. Well, those feel supernatural to me the whole time. Like sometimes, like there's... some of them, like you start to get an idea of what's happening. And she goes to the tattoo shop. And... That's the first time yeah. where you feel like, oh, this is going to be. There is something else here. Yeah. But even then, it's like to me, it's like an, like it is supernatural, but it's not blatant. It's it not... feels psychological, still. right? Because it's still so. The whole thing is she gets a tattoo and it ends up being made with the ashes of someone who was murdered. It's memorial ink. Yeah, it's memorial ink, and so she starts having those memories and also like can kind of like for some reason essentially like having that summons these killers to her but like even then it like for the long time it borders on the line of like this is supernatural like she's having flashback memories that this person was murdered but like by the end of the movie it's straight up like like magical tattoos appear on her arm and she is literally reliving her life so it Mm -hmm. goes like hardcore into supernatural Mm Um, it is interesting that our killers have no motive, like zero, no backstory, no motive, no reveal, nothing really. There's a lot sort of left on the table in general with this movie, Mm -hmm. including like, we know that she like programs video games, but we don't know why or why she's super into games. We don't really know anything. Um, we, there's also a weird thing and maybe Ryan can picked up on something I didn't, but the trauma she's overcoming that happened to her is, she, I mean, she was raped. And there's a scene where she's in a cafe and there's these men watching the video, a video of her getting raped. Mm-hmm. And she realizes that they recognize her and then she leaves. But it's never explained, like, that I picked up on that her rape was documented and online. Is well, that... the killer filmed it. So, like, they show that the killer yeah. filmed it. Well, the rapist. Yeah, the rapist. Um, the um, cause yeah, and so. Cause that's a separate instance. Right, and that's like kind of it's it's weird because like, yeah, it's interesting that they play these. I think that so it's basically this woman. Yeah, she's she, a man breaks into her house and he 
he does like trap her and rape her and he films it and he puts it online and so she is made to overcome this trauma and it's interesting like she gets this tattoo of a heart and it's like anyone who plays video games knows what it is because it's like your standard heart that you get when you have a life that represents life in a video game it's on her lit on her wrist um but it's just interesting because like she has already undergone trauma but they bring in the secondary trauma to allow her to overcome her first Mm -hmm. but yeah they definitely like all that stuff was very like again it was it's for the longest time in this movie i was kind of like what where are we going like what's the where is the because i knew it was a slasher we watched the trailer to make sure well and and even the opening scene sort of leads you to believe that because the opening scene is a very like dark and like found footage kill of um well the opening scene is our person that's right who's killed that she gets the tattoo right no that's what i'm saying and so we're like okay well we're starting off with a kill and we're starting off with these like masked killers and like we don't really know what's going on and so you think like okay and then we kind of get (laughs) delve into this yeah this drama story of like wait there's a separate instance and the whole time you're going like are these the same people? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. Did they just decide not to kill her? And I guess we don't really know. Maybe they are the same people. Um, no, because that girl was like literally decapitated. <laughs> no, I know. That's what I'm saying, though. But they also didn't kill her at all. They just oh, raped right, her. Right, so right. I'm saying like maybe they. Oh, right, the killers. Yeah, yeah, maybe the, the killers. The yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I don't, don't know how much know. of it is a language barrier either. You know, like. A lot of the movie is in English, though. Like, it bounces back and forth. Yeah, I mean, it's very similar to, like, a lot of, like, Spanish-speaking people I know when they're speaking Spanish. It's, like, Spanglish. Mm -hmm. Like, a bunch of the words they say, like, in the middle of the sentence will also be in English. Mm -hmm. Um, That happened a ton. Way more than I was expecting. Like, oh, there's just, like, a ton of English in this movie. But, like B said, the first... Yeah, so, I mean, we have the three MS men, no backstory. Um, They use mostly uh, grass hook and machete as weapons. Um... And so, like we said, Amrutha is our first character that we meet, and she, like, they break into the house, and they they torture her, and they kill her, and, like, literally kick her head like a soccer ball. It's very grisly. Uh Um, And it's like, I mean, I'm assuming you've watched the movie. If you're listening, if you haven't watched the movie, like, trigger, trigger, trigger for any kind of, like, physical trauma, rape, or physical abuse. It's like... It's not exploitative, or else I'd be having some words right now, but it, I mean, it's definitely hard. Yeah. No, it's very real feeling. Yeah. Um, it because it's real. all POV. Yeah. It's, which is very old school slasher. Like, the first part mm-hmm. of this movie feels super old school slasher. We see literally, like, the killer, like, the whole time, it's like watching someone deliver something to her mm-hmm. and then watching her through the window. Mm-hmm. And it's all from his POV, including when he breaks into her room. He's watching her sleep for a while before she wakes up and sees him. Like, it, it is, it, the first 15 minutes of the movie is super old school slasher. Like, very but, 80s. Very 80s. Yeah. Early 80s. Like, yeah. late 70s, early 80s. And then it turns into, like we said, this psychological drama movie where we get our our main character who um swapna who is like dealing with her own trauma yeah yeah and she's like learning how to live with this trauma and like trying to come back from it and she's seeing our therapist pretty frequently and they're doing this weird like immersion therapy using vr um which kind of plays in the video game themes but it's also just like really weird and kind of i think shoehorned in to make it more video game themed um but yeah so like we really don't get to 
like P said, it does drag at this part because we're getting a lot of exposition that is necessary, but it's also just very stagnant. Like, and it's drawn out. All of that information we could have gotten in a quarter of the time. I, a half hour, yeah. just as effectively. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see multiple sessions with a therapist. Like I said, these weird immersion therapy things are all very weird. It's all about her like entering rooms and like they get darker and darker every room because he's trying to get her to confront her fear of the dark. There's numerous instances in the house where like the lights will just go out or something happens and she freaks out and like her housemaid has to help her, mm-hmm. um, which is part of that is like build up to the end, like understanding the routine of the house. There's like gardeners and the housemaid and stuff. Right. But again, like it's just really stretched out. Mm-hmm. And like even the part where we finally realize where she realizes she goes to this tattoo shop and realizes that her tattoo was made with the ashes of this murder victim like all of this could have been condensed probably down to like 40 minutes like 30 40 minutes and been just as effective so when it's dragged out to like a little over an hour it just feels long it just feels very long um because it i will say the biggest weakness i thought i saw from it was i feel like we're retreading beats and i'm like i already know this I already know this. Mm-hmm. I already know this. It felt very soap opera-y at mm-hmm. points. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Um, it definitely felt, yeah, especially when it'd be like something we had already seen. Mm-hmm. Instead of it being like an elevation or building dread, it just felt like you said like, oh, okay, well, I know. Yeah. I know about this. And like there were like legit moments where they were showing me something we already knew, but I felt like it was like, bum 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 and it's like but we know this already (laughs) or like we've seen this like i don't know like there were lots of moments of and i understand like maybe what was happening the writer or the director whoever was trying to show like how much she's because there were multiple times of her like freaking out in her room or like kind of just dealing with depression and just doing nothing and like i understand these things but also i just i don't know i just felt it felt very drawn out and also just with how we start the movie and how we end the movie it's just a very strange middle piece for the film uh, I agree. yeah because like like we said it's the bulk of the movie is this and like we're explaining it to you and like that's, that's it there's not much more to explain yeah, it's so not the, like a lot more happens no the only other thing that then happens is that she talks with the mother who was supposed mm-hmm. to get the memorial ink and she's basically like you know hang on like so and part of this too is that this tattoo is like haunting her it's hurting her it's itching her she's starting to have like these flashbacks of these memories that aren't her own this trauma she tries to get it removed and she can't even have like the laser gets close to her and it like burns and burns and it's this is all like the supernatural stuff that's like getting Mm -hmm. like there's something going on with this tattoo so then that's when she finds out at the tattoo shop it's Memorial Inc. The mother contacts her and kind of inspires her. Like she tries to commit suicide and Kalema like catches her. Um, and this was really sort of like the like, oh, okay, I need to like this girl fought cancer. She survived that. She was super close with her mother and then she just got brutally murdered and it's never been solved. And so that kind of, like, sparked something in um, Swapna and, like, gave her, like, that gave her a bit of life. Like, right. this 
this symbol of life that she has on her tattoo is literally a life that this girl no longer has. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's symbolic on purpose. Oh, yeah. Um, and so now she's going, okay, like, I have this responsibility. And then she gets hit by a car. Mm-hmm. And is par- is paralyzed from the waist down, yeah, from the waist down, and is in a wheelchair. And then now she's dealing with this other trauma, this physical trauma of like, this is my life now. Like I'm wheelchair bound, and getting into this new routine. And all the while this is happening, she's still dealing with this like haunted tattoo mm-hmm. that's sort of forcing her into realizing what happened to this girl she never even met. Right. And then that's how we sort of end up into our finale. Yeah. And it's also the anniversary of her rape. It's New Year's. That's when it happened. And so all of this sort of comes to a point for our finale. Right. And I like a lot of this is like video game tropes too. Like you have your hero like like the begrudging hero who's forced into a situation who also has like everything bad that could happen to them happens to them you know like this is a video game trope that we see pretty frequently and like B said it hits new year's and she wakes up and she her she, she so she has like the eight-bit heart and she looks down and she has three of them on her arm now um and essentially this movie in layman's terms turns into groundhog's day the slasher Mm -hmm. um you know and like there are definitely vibes of like happy death day um that you get but like obviously way less because she only has three lives to do it but essentially like this for some reason you know the supernatural force essentially these these men who killed um amrutha are at her house now and they are breaking in and she has to figure out how she's going to stop them. Um, and she has three tries. So, um, you know, we have our first night where, and like, again, there's like this whole thing where like there's gardeners and like, so, you know. Yeah, the first time it's like there's a noise. And of course, because it's just happened, she doesn't really know what's going mm-hmm. on. There's 11 o'clock. She gets a notification on her phone. It's almost New Year's Eve. Um, Kalema hears something and. She's, like, looking outside and sees that there was something left by the front door. Right, which the gardeners, like, they in the movie, they leave something out there for yeah. her to collect. I can't remember what it is. But. Yeah, and so they go, and she's like, oh, yeah, it's just him. Like, it's just the gardener. Like, so she, unla- you know, of course, like, they've set us up the whole film to let us know, like, this is their security system. This is how you open the door. Like, of course, every time that's filmed, you know, all right, this is going to be important later. She opens it, and sure enough, she goes out front, and she... We don't see what happens to her. We just like hear a kerfluffle, and a kerfluffle, and we hear a kerfluffle. Yeah, and so Apna gets nervous, and then she goes out into like the living space to investigate. And she looks out the window, and she sees Kalama like swinging on the swing, and she keeps looking. And of course, this is when like her score is like building and building and mm-hmm. building. And then she she swings a little bit farther, and then we realize she's decapitated. She doesn't have her fucking head. And then all of a sudden, her head just comes slamming into the window right in front of her. Oh, my God. Like, that legitimately, like, freaked me the F out. Like, when she's, she's swinging there, I'm like, I know she's dead. Like, but when it, like, swung and you can see that she didn't have a head, I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. Like, it really gave me, like, legit heebie-jeebies. 
Legit heebie-jeebies. I'm loving all these. Uh, yeah. This is who I am, right? I know. Um, and Kerfuffle then, and legit heebie-jeebies tonight. Uh, and then um, our, at the time, we think our one assailant comes inside, um, has a little you know, altercation and is Swamp Knight ends up on the floor and is killed by the machete. Yep. And then she wakes up. Yep. And, and then she looks at her arm and one of the hearts has faded away. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it's 11 o'clock and we realize like, oh no. And so she makes the realization that um, Kalama's going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Like that something. And so she's instantly like on her phone, like call 911. Kalama, don't go outside. Like don't do it. And is like, this happened like i'm trying to save you and um Clem is like okay okay that's fine that's fine the lights go out they go into the room they lock themselves in there and then um all of a sudden like they throw a what are those called a bottle molotov uh, yeah molotov yeah. cocktail Co- right cocktail, yep. and through the window and light the room on fire and so yeah. they're forced to go out mm-hmm. and when they go out one of the killers is sitting on the couch um, the police have arrived because, you know, she was smart. She called the cops. They've got there. They're at the door. They're, like, stuck between the door that the fire's in and yeah. the door that the police are at. And the door is locked, of course. So the police are like, let us in, let us in. And then you just have this guy just casually chilling, like, in his freaky ass, all black outfit and, mm. like, black skully type mask. Yeah, the masks were interesting. Yeah. They're, like, hard plastic, but, like, a full skull mask almost over yeah. their face. Yeah. Oh, they creepy. And, um, you know, Kalama tries to push um, Swapna in her wheelchair and get to the door. And she just gets a machete straight to the back. And police end up getting in. We think Swapna has escaped. Right. They've got the assailant. Like, they've shot her. Like, the first responders have come. They've shot him. So we've get, got, like, our typical sequel or, like, our typical slasher ending right now happening. Like... The friend is dead. She's surviving, but the first responders are there. You're very suspicious that the guy's actually dead because he's on the ground. And, you know, they had this whole fight. And they start going. And sure enough, she sees that he's getting back up. He is alive. And so the other first responder, like, goes to get to him. And they um, swap in. And the other guy get in the car. They start driving off, and this is when we see that there's three the, of them. There's, yeah, they all come out in the and driveway. And they all come and, out like, in the driveway, and they have, like, their weapons. So they've got, like, the Molotov cocktail. They've got the um, machete hook. and the grass hook. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of like, oh, like, here they are. Like, they're not fucking around. There's three of them. Um, well, one of them's dead, the one that they've killed. They, right. like, push him out in the wheelchair. Um, but it's still, like freaking scary like oh you thought you got us but you didn't um and then when they're in the car the ambulance van whatever it is yeah they're driving off and she looks out the back window and sees them staring at them and realizes something's wrong and it blows up and yeah. they both die because they put a molotov cocktail in the gas engine or like a rag yeah yeah and then we wake up and, and she's on the last yeah she's on her last night <coughs> And this is where, like, we know, too, like, okay, this is it. Like, right. this is real now. Yeah. <laughs> like, we know whatever is going to happen in this scene, this is it. Mm-hmm. So if Kalema's going to die, she's dead. Like, there's no coming back. So, and I I like that device in a slasher film because you never, especially when you watch all of them, like we do, 
you never quite believe what's happening. Yeah. You never quite know until literally the last few minutes when you sigh a breath if somebody's dead or somebody's alive. You oh, really yeah. never it's know. Not, even when someone is killed on screen, it's not until you see their body later that you're like, they're actually dead. Yeah. Or like you see them beheaded or something. Like no, it exactly. takes that like, finality of yeah. something. Yeah. And so with this, <laughs> using this device, you really do feel like, well, no. You can't break the rule of being like, well, this is your last life. And then being like, well, just kidding. It was all a dream anyways. That You know that's not going to happen. Yeah, thank God. Because I hate when movies establish the rules and then break <laughs> and their break own them. rules. Yeah. It's the worst. And that, like, there'd just be a very low, 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 low scenario that that would, how this would happen. So we know, shoot, whatever she's about to do in the next 10, 15 minutes is it. Mm-hmm. And I liked that. It felt like being a new movie watcher and like the surprise is back right yeah because you knew because you're not familiar well because you also had a feeling like you know she's going to survive but you're like what about everyone else yeah like like what's going to happen here and you don't want Kalima to die the whole no, time yeah. she's been there she's very like matronly yeah and very likable and very much like a character that i mean i genuinely deal did feel bad the two both those lives that she lost i'm like no no no, she should survive too mm-hmm. like, especially that second one because she like knows yeah. and so it's like no, she's got it this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the third time around, I mean, essentially, like, you know, this is our hero moment. Like, this is where she has devised a plan. This is a fight. Yeah, and she has devised a plan that's going... She has seen how this... She has two, tried two times now, and she has seen how this has happened and how it has failed. So she devises a plan where she does manage, in spite of some, you know, difficulties, um, to overcome all three of her of her mm-hmm. assailants. Um, and the, and then, you know, she wins and like the movie actually ends with be made a note of it of fireworks cause it's new year's and it's, it is a reference to Mario when he gets to the castle. If you know, in the old school Mario games, Mario gets to the castle, the fireworks shoot up over the castle. Um, yeah, it's an interesting flick. Yeah, it is. It's, it, it's honestly about 30 minutes of a slasher movie mm-hmm. with, you know, roughly, um, 90 minutes, 80 minutes around it of like the psychological drama no it's literally i mean it's an hour the first it's an hour and then the second the slasher starts at the hour mark yeah and then you have 30 minutes of the finale right three lives yeah i mean and we have our first like you know 10 minutes (laughs) right it's a slasher film (coughs) so um so up now as a final girl i mean i think she's a really good final girl Mm -hmm. i think we have multiple you know and moments that she's trying to overcome she's trying to overcome her own guilt and trauma from her rape she's trying to get over and she's like actively you know going to therapy and has somebody at like recognizes that she needs somebody in her house with her um and so she's showing strength and resilience before any of this other stuff happens to her which i think is really important that we don't just find her like you know i think it can be dangerous in films where you need they rely on other situations of trauma Mm -hmm. to allow rape victims to get over their rape where in this scenario i think she was already on the path to recovery and Mm -hmm talking with the you know the mother of the victim of these killers i think really helped her give her perspective and give her 
you know, a sense of healing and then we get to the actual true like final girl moments where she's having to like be smart and divisive Mm -hmm. and fight back and she does all of that. Yeah. No, and I think like she follows all the best final girl arcs. Like she has a full arc. Mm -hmm. Um, She starts the movie with something deeply traumatic. Mm -hmm. Um, And like B said, like even a little different, like she is already well on the road to recovery and she's actually set back even more because of the car accident. And then she's able to overcome it. And, you know, like, I think it does obviously play into, like, obviously there's the multiple lives, like, trope that they deal with, but also, like, her being a designer. Like, she is designing her game here. Like, she understands her her enemies, and she understands what she has to do to win. So, like, it does a good job of, like, interweaving that. Mm-hmm. Like, her whole video game design thing is not just for the three lives, like, thing at the end. It's also, like, very much into who she is as a character fits like your typical hero's arc in in a video game so i think mm-hmm. they do a good job of like doing like playing around with that too um and she's likable she is likable like yeah. like she deals with things in a very human real way um she's a like she is sympathetic she is frustrating at times like because she's stubborn and yeah. like but that's real well yeah and she you know she also is a true hero on the fact that she's going to save her friend and she knows that she knows what she's gonna happen she can get herself out of that situation and she does whatever she can to make sure that kalama survives with her mm-hmm. no i think she's a great final girl mm-hmm. i think one that you know in the other elements that lack in the slasher, like this is definitely not one of them. Oh, not this at all. This is one of our stronger final girls that we've definitely covered. Yeah. Um, my so I mean, technically we have one kill. Right. It's the one in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do get the f- <laughs> four other kills: Kalema twice and Swapnut twice, as well as one of the first responders dying in the car. Um, I mean, the decapitation swing is my favorite kill. It, of Kalama where he puts yeah. on the swing yeah no for That's me too so fucking creepy because also i can't do the first one because it's too rough. no 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 yeah no, that no, first no. kill is brutal it's... i can't yeah it's like no um uh, no i agree like that <laughs> kill is it's super effective <laughs> um, i think it's great as like the first kill like to start us off in this series mm-hmm. where you're like oh shit like one you instantly know it's the same guys the mm-hmm. same people because yeah. of the decapitation and then you're just like so creeped out and like what the hell are they gonna do with Swapna when they get her no and it's just it's effective on the levels like that slasher kills should be is that it's interesting um and it's violent but it's also scary Mm-hmm. It actually and it's does done very you. well. Yeah, Deca- I mean, we always decapitations are a go-to slasher kill. Decapitations are dope. Decapitations are often terrible. Uh, uh, terror train. I don't remember the decapitation. Uh, remember movie. when his head falls out oh, of the cabin yeah, yeah, and yeah, it yeah. literally looks like yeah, a mannequin's bad. head? Yeah, it's really bad. No, this one is done very well. And I like the whole... It's a creepy imagery, too, of her, like, body on the swing with no... Yeah, the, it's hella no creepy. It like, yet. I'm seeing it in my head right now, and I don't really like it. <laughs> um, position in the horror landscape, 
doesn't exist really be heard about it at least through twitter yeah so i only know that this movie exists because of twitter yeah so someone was talking about it all i heard saw the words game over and slasher in a tweet and i can't remember who it was i tried to look it up under like people you follow but it's probably like somebody you liked Mm. liked this post or well yeah because usually if it's not brennan or trace then it's just some random Yeah. yeah And so I'm not sure who, but Twitter person who talked about this, thank you. Um, So it's being talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise, because it's not labeled as a slasher film, although it's slasher light. It definitely deserves the label Mm -hmm. for sure. But Mm -hmm. if you look it up, it's labeled thriller, horror. That's Mm -hmm. it. There's no talk of slasher um, unless you're on Twitter. Yeah. So it would not have popped up for me anywhere else no um and it's cool because b and i have talked about we want to do more foreign and like giallos are easy they're a dime a dozen at this point like to come by like but we've always wanted to touch on more foreign stuff um i mean uh simon abrams who is a film and tv critic um he tweeted about it in june um saying you know just talking and he said the indian slasher film game over i don't think that's the tweet that i saw obviously because it was from june and i saw one more recently um but when you type it in it does it's definitely getting talked about and we can't speak for the position it has in india true yeah this is purely from an american like people who are pretty involved yeah but um yeah, so it's awesome to see that. And like we said, it's on Netflix. Um, yeah. So you can watch it on there in three different languages. And I don't think it matters what language you watch. No, I think um, I started it in one and finished it in another. I think I did too. Yeah, um, so. Because, like I said, all the actors are doing the voices for all of the languages. I did notice a couple times it didn't match up for me on whatever version I was watching. But the English always matched up. Because obviously they wouldn't have switched that out. Um, so if you notice that for whatever reason, like the it looks dubbed, mm-hmm. switch to a different language and see if it's different. Interesting. Um, so if you are new to the show, we do rank our episodes at the end, uh, rank our uh, movie at the end of every episode, um, and it is a ranking of not our favorite movies, but of what we follow, what we think follows the slasher formula best from top to bottom, which is why we dissected the entire episode. Um, and you can find that at keepscreaming.com slash the dash list. Um, we are now, this will be our 52nd movie. Um, uh, My Bloody Valentine from 1981 is still our number one movie, followed by Black Christmas from 74. And then rounding at the bottom is April Fool's Day, Girls Night Out, and Cry Wolf. Um, this to me fits right around the range of like the Carpenter Mischief Night because it's just so lightly a slasher, but I think it's probably better than both of those. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, remember when I watched, we, when we watched I Still Know and we were really bummed out about how bad that movie is? Yeah, that movie's really bad. Do you think this is better than Terror Train? As a slasher? There are elements okay, that work as so well. Okay, so dissecting this film, we are ignoring the first hour, correct? I mean, essentially. Yeah. So we're talking about the, the game First 10 over. minutes and the last yeah. 30. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I mean, we'll take into note, obviously, it's not as good because it spends... A bulk of the time. We'll, we'll say 50 minutes. Yeah. It spends 50 minutes as a drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a bad drama. It's, it's just, just drawn out. Drawn out. Yeah. Um, so we're, when we're doing this, we're definitely analyzing the other, you know, whatever minutes of the movie, 40 minutes. Um, 
God. I feel like every time we do the list, there's a few movies. That you like, want to move around. Well, yes, that. But also I feel like I need to rewatch mm, because it's mm-hmm. been so long. But I also I don't want to. Like I don't want to rewatch Terror Train, but a part of me feels like I need to. Maybe I'll just re-listen to the episode. Curtains too, actually. I feel like I need to rewatch. Oh, I'll rewatch that because I yeah. like Curtains. Yeah, I like Curtains um, as well. I'm trying to remember what our issues were with, with Terror Train. Just it didn't feel very slashery. We don't get a lot of kills. Most things happen off screen. Um, yeah. You know, like they're... They get really distracted. Yeah. The um, like building of the dread. Yeah. And of our killer being on this train. You know, there's some magic going on, which is the best part of the movie. Right, and I love that. Like, I... So, I, even just looking at this... I, I don't think it is a better slasher than Curtains. Because I think at least Curtains spends the bulk of its movie as a slasher movie. It does. And like it has that really memorable ice skate scene and where this has a good final girl and a fantastic score for the last 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's and- not enough. And a good intro. Like to me, that makes it so it could do better than something like I Still Know, which is a slasher through and through. Like those bookends still make it, I think, better than that slasher because I think I still know so bad. Yeah, but I still know literally. We have a higher body count, but that like. Yeah, we have a higher body count, but we also have. Julie like, has no arc. She's she's a cardboard character. Yeah. Like, I mean, this, I think. But the, we have a sense the entire time they're on that island that. Any one of them could be, like, the next one picked off. And that's what's lacking in this film, is that we don't feel that until the very end. Yeah, I still think it's better. Because, like, and, like, because I still know has, I still know literally has a, a movie before it that sets up our, like, you know, something you and I talk about a lot in a slasher film is we get that jump forward or that Mm -hmm. tie into the past. the very important tropes right. of a film and this you movie, start with a flashback, which I, this one does. Which it does. And then it ties in later with a tattoo. It's a supernatural slasher, mm-hmm. so it's a little different. But I know what you do. I still know literally has a movie before it. An entire movie built in before it <laughs> that gives you that and doesn't utilize it mm-hmm. as much as like something like this does. And then they sort of like shoehorn in this killer who's like, this yeah, I live weird... on this island. Yeah, and... like we've spent two hours in the movie before this unraveling this mystery. And they're like, here's this person you never knew about. Yeah. Like I, I think I still know is almost more offensive because of what, <laughs> no, because of what it, it had the potential Aww, to do. That poor movie. But like, you know, like I mean, I, I I see what you're saying. Like there are definitely parts of, and also the score, and I still know sucks. <gasps> and bad. so does the editing. And, and the and the editing. So like, yeah. I want to put this above it because yeah. I I do think that I do think that our final the girl forty arc, minutes that we spent right. as a slasher are better. Yeah. So we have. So let's talk about tropes. We have our final girl mm-hmm. who has an arc, who mm-hmm. overcomes it, who fights to the end. Mm-hmm. We have. A traumatic experience mm-hmm. in the very beginning and a flash forward mm-hmm. that resonates later on and affects right. the storyline of her killer. We have a powerful score. We have a powerful score. We have... And we have, to me, there are two types of really good 
killers in a slasher and it's either the killer with a very effective backstory or the, the killer with none. none yeah and this this, and this good had yeah fucking creepy ass people who are just gonna yeah. come they're and... the strangers essentially yeah. they have no motive yeah. they're just there to kill you yeah and so where it's not necessarily as like we said you know, there is that. I think that middle part hurts it the most because if that middle part was all slasher stuff, I think it'd be even if higher. If that on our middle list. part involved these the killers, yeah, there's no stalking. No, the stalking is we're here. Right, it's, the stalking is home invasion. Right, right, right. I mean, like we the literally the the middle of the movie is dealing with her anxiety and like her, with her processing grief and trauma and like. I feel like other slasher movies do that while still carrying the story along, and it's this one drags it. Yeah, but yeah. like I still hold that the forty minutes we get of pure slasher, even with the forty in the middle of processing <coughs> trauma and grief, is better than I still know, which wastes its time that it has. Whereas, like this movie at least tries. I feel like I still know doesn't even do that. Mm-hmm. And then all the ones underneath it, like the carpenter. 2013 mischief night slaughter high prom night the only like are all i mean i know it's silly but like the only one i would even consider is like carpenter because i think at least the carpenter knows what it is and has some fun with it and is like goofy as shit but, but it doesn't follow most tropes but it doesn't exactly it doesn't follow so it's a the supernatural tropes. slasher that also ignores a ton of tropes yeah all right i like that argument I don't. I don't think we could put it above Terror Train. I don't either. As much as we don't like that movie, no, I don't either. I think Terror Train still feels the... like a slasher more. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. All right. It's in writing. Game over. Number thirty-eight. After Terror Train and before, I still know what you did last summer. <laughs> that movie did it to itself. That movie is a movie. Hey, I love Jack Black. It's a bummer that movie. He's in it. Yeah. Um, go see Jumanji. Go <laughs> support see Jumanji. Jack Black. Yeah, support Jack Black. He's trying to retire, so make Jumanji like huge. And I know people are going to be like, "What the fuck?" People trying to promote Jumanji, but I am. Go. Yeah, see we like it. Jack Black. Like yeah, Jack we Black do. A lot, so. Yeah, me too. Also, I like The Rock. Yeah, me too. So. And Jumanji. And Welcome also, I don't want Jack Black to retire. No, don't retire, Jack Black. You're very this is young. our PSA. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. So this will be out, I think, I don't know. Are we dropping it the same day as Black Christmas? Or we can drop it whenever. Yeah, it We'll just drop it. We'll You'll, d- you won't know, because yeah. when you're listening to it, it will be dropped. Right. But we are going to cover the new Blumhouse um, remake, remake of Black Christmas. Yes. Um, Support horror. Go to theater. See it. Yeah. Director <laughs> Sophia Tokal, written by April Wolf, starring Emma Jim Poots. So again, another all-female, like, female-led, female-driven cast and crew, which is super, super awesome. I mean, uh, we haven't seen it, so I mean, but I've heard yeah. on from other people mm-hmm. that it's good. Yeah, we don't know how we're going to like it, but still support this kind of stuff happening. I, I have not been to the movies since... I was pregnant. No, that's not true. You saw Endgame when Liam was born. Okay, but that was the drive-in. Right. Doesn't so you haven't count. been to a theater. I haven't been to the movie theater. Oh, that's not true. You saw Hustlers. Oh, shit. I'm such a liar. Yeah. But that was it. It was yeah. a girl, your girl's night out. Yeah, I saw Hustlers. I did see Hustlers in theater. Ryan just really is up on my theater experience. I am. It doesn't happen a lot, so it's it easy. It doesn't. Yeah. I saw Hustlers on my girl's night. Um, I saw Endgame at the drive-in with my two-week-old son 
And then before that, I saw Us, 38 Weeks Pregnant, mm-hmm. with my husband. Yeah. Um, that's the movies I've gone to She's gone year. to three movies this <laughs> no, year. No, I also saw that one, Escape Room. Mm, four movies this year. Yeah. Yeah. So this will be the fifth. It'll be the fifth movie I see. So if I can get my ass to the movie theater, so can for real, you. For real. <laughs> uh, and then we'll let you know what we're covering for a second. It's going to be Christmas no matter what. Yeah. Um, but so he really holla. wants me to watch Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 to decide if we're actually going to do it or not. Watch it with people. Watch it with Bobby. Maybe we can do Santa's sleigh. We'll figure it out. We will do... Oh, is that the one with the wrestler? Yeah. I like that one. Yeah, Goldberg. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good movie. That's a good movie. Maybe we'll do that. Um, but we'll be back in... Well, we'll be back Monday. And then we'll be back in two weeks after that. And until then, keep screaming! <laughs>